The world had heard about the stranded Russian alpinist, his missing partner, and how unlikely saving him would be. The marooned climber, 42-year-old Russian, named Alexander Gukov, was on hallowed alpine ground. Latok 1 remained unclimbed from its north side. He had not moved for six days, enduring a hell of spindrift avalanches, hunger, exhaustion, and isolation. His partner was dead. Gukov's friend, Anna Pianova, the editor of the website mountain.ru, had received his distress call from a satellite texting device six days earlier. I need help. Evacuation required. Sergei fell. I'm hanging without any gear. The B-3 pilots, part of Pakistan's 5th Army Aviation Squadron, were growing accustomed to mountain rescues. Of 44 expeditions to the mountains of Pakistan in the summer of 2018, 17 called for helicopter evacuation. But if the pilots' experience saving alpinists was increasing, so were the odds against them. That's Michael Waychert, and a piece that he wrote for the Rock and Ice magazine. Michael is a climber and an award-winning writer. This piece was about the rescue of a stranded Russian climber up on the peak of Latok 1 in Pakistan. It's one of the world's most treacherous ascents. Michael writes a lot about climbing, and in this episode, he speaks with me about the perils and the thrills of climbing through his own experience in the mountains and the stories that he writes. Welcome back to the Look for Strength podcast, where we try to uncover how different people define strength. So I grew up here in New England, where I still live, and my parents were both very active in the outdoors. And when I was a kid, probably like a lot of kids, I started hiking, doing the sort of smaller mountains around here in New England, um, 4,000 foot peaks, and then Mount Washington, which if you're from the area or familiar with New England outdoors at all is kind of our, our quote unquote highest. It's, it's not that tall, but it's uh, <laughs> all we have. And to be able to live in a small community like that, you, especially when you're learning, you get, you get this great mentorship opportunity because eventually if you're, if you're here for long enough, you know, people need to belay somebody and, you know, you just get asked to go climbing and, and you pick up so much more when you're in that sort of Petri dish of an environment. And eventually you get asked to go on expeditions and things like that. So yeah, it's a really, it's a really amazing um, place to live. And you're also a writer. So would you be able to tell us a bit about your, your recent book, uh, Hidden Mountains, um, what inspired you to write it um, and also who, who it is about? Yeah. Um, so I have worked as a writer, mostly covering climbing, mountaineering and, and outdoor adventure for the past five or six years and sort of gradually transitioning towards doing that full time. I, I worked as a climbing guide, as as did a lot of people in town here um, seasonally. Uh, but the idea behind Hidden Mountains uh, the story centers around a, a traumatic climbing accident. These two couples are both really keen on trying a new routes on a, an unclimbed peak in the Alaska range, basically miles from anywhere. They're sort of living out this dream expedition. They've climbed, they've been friends, and their relationships were 
essentially forged by this sport, this pastime of climbing. And they're about a hundred miles from the nearest civilization or help um, way out in the, the Alaskan wilderness. When one of the climbers is traversing around a ridge about two thirds of the way up this unclimbed peak and ends up taking a disastrous fall. Could you tell us a little bit about why you continue to climb, writing about all of these stories that have treacherous accents about them, and then also having had an accident yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think most people have uh, who have climbed realize how amazing it is when it all goes right. And it's something that's been a driving force in my life and, and has certainly created uh, my life to some extent for better or worse. And uh, I climb because I really love it. And I find that sometimes I'm willing to take more risk than others. And the, the beauty of a sport like climbing is that you can go and enjoy the movement of climbing in a, in a gym and uh, have a great time. Yeah. And I'll always climb. I'll never not climb. As long as I'm able to, I will, I will be a climber. Sometimes I question it and and sometimes I just go with it. (laughs) (laughs) And and could you also speak a bit about your evolution as a writer and a climber uh, throughout the years? Like, how do you think you've evolved or grown um, in those two areas? And I know they overlap a lot for you because you write a lot about climbing uh, through your blog pieces. But yeah, how have you kind of grown in that that area or those two areas intertwined? I always like to tell stories and to me writing is a way of storytelling it's it's not the oldest form of storytelling and uh, it's interesting things mediums like podcasts are are almost going back to this more traditional way of of telling stories a lot of writers kind of gripe about the fact that you know we probably will all be out of work in 10 years but um as long as there's a way to tell human stories that's the most important part to me but I I started writing when I was really young and just kind of chipped away at it. And I just did it because I, I I really enjoyed it. I liked the process of it and was incredibly fortunate in my career to, to maybe be in the right place at the right time and also be able to put my head down and, and work because um, it is quite a lot of work, especially when you're starting out and you know, you're pitching magazine articles to people who never return your emails and things like that. And eventually you sort of carve out a niche for yourself. And and as you write bigger and bigger pieces going into books, you, you essentially learn how to write. And that to me is, is a lot like climbing, um, where you're trying a lot. You're, it, it takes a lot of work to succeed. And if you don't like the process of it, of of revising your piece four or five times before you send it in, of, of trying to figure out how you can say something better with less words, how you can do more with less, um, then you probably won't stick with it for the long haul. And now I, I try to write stories that obsess me, like I, and I think that's pretty similar with climbing a and and a lot of writers sort of have that obsessive tendency where they just can't, they need to know everything about a certain subject. And if I'm really, really engrossed in something then I want other people to be too. And, and that's, I think, ultimately what, what I try and pitch to editors um, 
are, are things that I just can't get out of my head. <laughs> That's, I mean, the first advice that I ever got was like pitch things that you're interested in and then you'll be interested to write yeah. about them. So the fact that you write about climbing and then are also so engrossed in it in your, in your life um, is amazing. And now I'll just kind of wrap things up with the podcast is called Look for Strength. Where in your life do you look to find strength? For me, you know, and it is interesting because it, as a writer or a climber, you're spending so much time alone. Um, and I have to remind myself when I am at my lowest that I have an amazing community. And sometimes I forget that I can reach out to that community. And and especially when you're working on something in a, in a solitary fashion, like writing, um, you forget that it's a, it's kind of a team sport and, and the people like editors and agents and, and writers who are reading your stuff, who are interested. Um, that's a, that's a really solid group of people that, that you can turn to. So I, I try to turn to community and I think partnership might be a better word for it in the climbing sense of things. Um, you know, the, the really cool thing about doing, um, these outdoor sports is that it it's essentially like a reflector or a mirror of what you're what you're doing uh and you know having climbing partners that you've climbed with for years and years and i mean i'm really lucky to have the support system of somebody like my wife who is a climbing partner um as well as a, a life partner and so i think when i'm at my lowest i i look to those partners whether it's romantic or 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 climbing or what have you um and try to remind myself that this is uh there are people out there and that to me is is what is so special about um both climbing and, and writing having that kind of a team that's great yeah that's i mean being in journalism right now that's what drew me to it as well is the community and i think it's so important to draw from your peers and recognize who's around you to support you so that's a great answer yeah. but <laughs> um, yeah it, it could that could be really hard to do right like sometimes it's it's hard to ask for that help but people are usually really willing to give it yeah for sure especially starting out like um yeah. i'm just an intern um right now and like everyone is so kind and helpful um in every single way there i mean i think people recognize that like they were once in your shoes at any kind of point in time whether it's like when yeah. you're kind of learning how to do swimming and climbing or a sport or whatever people that's something my brother told me actually he's uh he's younger than me he's 16 and he plays basketball um and he something I think his coaches tell him is like people were once in your shoes and they remember that so they're willing to help you and I think that's that's powerful yeah and people recognize drive and and hard work and yeah people want to help yeah because ultimately everybody's going to need somebody's help at some point <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>